Hey, welcome back to the Pasta Boys podcast, where we talk about pasta until we go to sleep. Spaghetti, penne, ziti. Yes. Elbow macaroni. What do you like to put on your pasta, pasta bro? Um, I like to put either Alfredo sauce, or if I'm drunk and it's midnight, I'll boil some pasta and I'll throw a stick of, like, a half stick of butter in it with garlic powder and just mix that up and eat that. I like to eat the pasta raw and, and in the pasta water while it's still hot. And I just I do that too. Honestly. throw it at my face and I get second degree burns. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Indie Film Review. My name is Jared. That's Dan. Hey, Dan. What's up? Now you know the inner workings of our brains just by you can feel that much closer to us now that we've shared with you how yeah. we like our pasta. Yeah, we kind of grow as characters that you care about because we've revealed a piece of information that makes it more like we're more human now. To you. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> pasta could save the world. Pasta brings people together. Carbs are all about saving the world. Pasta heals all wounds. Maybe it's it's okay that we're all getting fat. Maybe it is okay. Okay, so we talk about independent films here. The reason we keep going on and on about pasta is uh, it is featured prominently in the short <laughs> film that we watched Not called Prominently. <laughs> it's a prominent it is a narrative film, device. And I will defend that. It is a narrative device in the film. It's very it's very well used in the film, I will say that, but I wouldn't call it prominent. Like it's not the film is not about pasta. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. So the film is called Gates, and it was sent to us by Josh Pickup, who also submitted to our Patreon to get on our super duper special list. So thank you so much, Josh. We really appreciate it. You got bumped up ahead of everybody else. Yeah. So uh, you're making enemies. Serves you right, everybody who hasn't donated yet to yeah. get their film reviewed faster. This That's actually right. works. <laughs> so, Josh, thank you again. And just know that you are the first person to do this and not going to be the last, I guarantee you. But you are setting yeah. trends just like we are setting trends. So, yeah, thank you. Um, Dan, why don't you tell us a little bit about what Gates is? Sure thing, my friend. Gates is about two um, sisters with a relatively tense relationship. And they are exploring the Kent countryside of the UK. And you don't really find out why until a little bit into the film. But basically, you get to see them interact as siblings um, one is a little bit older and probably in her 20s. One is 17. And basically they are on a mission to stay in the Kent countryside squatting places until the 17-year-old turns 18. They're on a mission from God. They are on a mission and I'll leave it at that until we get into spoilers. That's right. Okay, so questions. This is how the show works. We start off with questions. Then we go into uh, spoiling the film on the second half. So uh, here we go. Dan, the music in this film really affected me. And I'll go into that. But I want to know, did the music have an impact on you? And was it like, how did you feel about it, I guess, is the question. Well, I was actually thinking about this on my way home from work today because I was listening to um, I was listening to David Bowie. I'm like, David Bowie. Why do these films, like really popular films, really, they spend all this money to get the rights to play these. You are right on the money with this. To to get the rights to, to play these songs in their film. But 
You know, there's so thousands upon millions of independent artists that you will be happy Mm -hmm. to give you their music just to be featured, just to be collaborative. And the music in this film, I don't want to say was my cup of like, I don't know. The singer wasn't really doing it for me, but the guitar Mm -hmm. in this, Oh my God, the guitar was so well done. Like it was, it was, it was a beautiful song just because I don't like a singer that like, she's a really good singer, but it just, it wasn't hitting, hitting me where it needed to hit me. Do you think it fit the film tonally? Absolutely. Yes. I feel like the music is the glue of this film. Everything about it is very good. I'll say that up front. But if the music wasn't in the film, it wouldn't work. I No, I think you're right. Especially because the film is, it's like 40 minutes long. And that glue is necessary because you don't get all the plot points given to you immediately. Mm-hmm. You just are kind of on this journey with the sisters as they travel through the the farmlands of Kent. It's like a mood setting, tone setting. It gets you into a feeling of what this is and these these two sisters and the uneasiness and then the kind of playfulness that kind of goes back and forth. Of It really gives you the vibe of like they are sisters, like the way they act. The writing in this is so good. It It feels so naturalistic how these girls talk to each other that I'm almost like, are they just improving this whole thing? They were. Yeah, it's so well done. We got some information on our Twitter. They took a lot of cues from films made by people like the Duplass brothers, you know, that oh, kind of yeah. mumblecore aesthetic. But it was said in the Twitter email that we got, Twitter email, God, I'm a fucking boomer. <laughs> um, Oh, hold on. Back in my day, Twitter email, a bird brought you a note. Well, it said that the two women who played these characters, they spent four days together just acting like siblings. That's amazing. And getting to know each other as siblings. And it, it they really do achieve that raw emotion that siblings would have, mm-hmm. especially with the heaviness of the story. So before you ask a question, I just want to finish uh, my thought on the music. So this music, most of the music was done by... Nicole Reynolds. Hopefully I'm saying that right. She was the female singer who did a lot of the songs, but all of these songs are royalty free music that they found. Right. Mm-hmm. So they are all, I don't know if they're unknown artists, but they're, you know, they're not David Bowie is what we're trying to say. So they used audio socket and uh, a few other places. Mainly I went to audio socket just to check it out. And it's just a subscription service. You pay like $15 a month. But you have access to like 80,000 songs. That's you just amazing. get the songs you want. Then just pay your $15 and you're done. That is amazing. Can you imagine doing that for any of your films? It's so simple. Filmmakers. And the, the songs are the highest quality. Say, say it one more time for the filmmakers listening. Audio socket. Hit me up, guys. I'm a musician. I write songs. I write songs that make me cry because they're about my mom. Yeah. And I cry listening to it because I hate it so much. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. Hey, man. No, I, you make my ears cry blood. Just to clarify, the singer um, Nicole, she was wonderful. Like, just the music isn't necessarily my cup of tea, but her voice is beautiful. My voice sucks, but I yeah. still sing. So who gives a fuck? You know what I mean? Yeah. Jared, here's my question. Gates had reached out to me on Twitter, or just via email. I don't remember how they reached out, but they asked if I would do some promotion for them, and I did. And they sent me all these amazing screenshots. The stills are beautiful, but they don't do the film justice. Like, oh my God. They do not. Jared, the mise-en-scene. Is it not one of the (laughs) most beautiful films you've ever seen? 
it, the countryside of Kent. Like, oh my god. It's so nice. I love the extreme close-ups yes. that they do on fences and gates. Yes. As for the title, I know it's kind of silly, but it's wonderful. The establishing shots, they really let you sit and live where the characters are. Mm-hmm. Them being stuck out in the country and hopping from like different people's properties and using their water and like just like scapegoating around and just barely getting by. That is a whole element of the film, and it just lets you immerse in it, even for 40 minutes. We're not with the film that long, and I still feel like I was so tuned in to what was going on. Another thing that I really liked, and Jared, I'm going to ask you in terms of uh, making it a question, is how did you feel about the acting? Because I'll tell you right now that a lot of this film is them not doing shit, and I'm still super engaged with them. They had such an amazing on-screen presence for being a mumblecore film. Like, oh my god, dude. It's I just like mumblecore, I think. Yeah, me too. I love it a lot, too. I like the improvisation Mm -hmm. aspect of just like, here's what the scene is. You guys figure it out and just tell your own story. May I point out as well that this is stuff that I can't do. I suck at acting. Like, I'm so bad at being in front of a camera. Yeah, I'm not good at it either. You're better than me. Every aspect of this movie, I liked. It was so well done. I was so impressed. The sound quality is so solid. That's one of the biggest things we harp on in films. I thought it was so well done. Especially all of these were outdoor scenes, and they got Mm -hmm. such good sound. For a low-budget production, yes. Before we get into spoilers and some stuff I want to talk about, was there another question you wanted to ask me? No, but I do want to give like a little quick celebration here. Um, So Josh Pickup wrote and directed this, but one of the things that I wanted to to showcase that I noticed from the credits is the girl who played Ella, Lily Wabiaf, if I'm pronouncing that wrong, I'm sorry, but it's a lot of letters. Yeah, it's okay. We do our best. Anyway, she is one of the producers of this. So the the younger girl, she produced this film as well. So I I don't know, just the, the team of people here. Really hit the ball into the net. Yeah, Iona Champagne as Grace did really well. Out of the park. Knocked down all the pins. <laughs> Home run it. That's right. Touchdown for movies. Let's just get into spoilers slash celebration. So I already talked about um, Lily. Another thing that I wanted to celebrate was all the shots in low lighting. Because it was not necessarily dark, but it was... A lot of the film was filmed during like the twilight hours, you know, right before it gets dark. And that that's a tricky mm-hmm. time to film. Like it's it's good for filmmakers because it's how am I trying to say this? It's a great time to film because it looks really good, but in order to capture it the way they captured it, you really have to know what you're doing. And I think they nailed it in this case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So we're going to Spoil this film. If you would like to see Gates, I would go to facebook.com slash Gates film and go check it out. Um, I don't know if it is officially released yet, but I would highly recommend getting your little grubby hands on this. They're on all the socials, but yeah, uh, film underscore Gates at Twitter. Yeah, at film underscore Gates on Twitter if you want to hit them up there. But yeah, go check them out. I highly recommend it. Sometimes you see a film and you get annoyed. You're like, I could never make a film this good. <laughs> like, oh, what the fuck? Uh, okay, so anyways, yeah, we're going to get into the, the story. Some things I didn't like about this film. 
because I, I want to be fair on both ends. So there is in the beginning, you're getting into like these two girls, you figure out they they're sisters. And for some reason they're on the run. There is a lot of music in this and it, it, some of it turns into montage and some of it kind of keeps going. And after like the third song and them kind of hanging out, I'm like, what is this movie? I started to, it started to kind of lose me. Like I didn't mm -hmm. get, I'm like, are we going to learn more about what's going on? And then as the film went on and it kept with what it was doing, it started to click more in my head. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. I get what they're trying to do. It's it's really not like in your face about here's what the plot is. No, it does not. You. It does not hold your hand at all. It leaves you at the beginning if you're not ready for it. Yeah, it's more about being immersed with these two people and this experience that they're having. And then you are slowly, slowly learning more about these characters as time goes on. Like when it really clicked for me is when you see the uh, the welt marks mm -hmm. on Ella's back and they don't even show it for that long. And I'm like, oh, OK, because. Did you think when the poster was getting ripped down, did you think that was Ella? Because I didn't understand that was her at first. I had to rewind it and be like, wait, was that her? And then I looked at it. I'm like, yeah, that's definitely her. Yes. I wish it maybe held on that a little bit longer. Um, but that is a very minor nitpick. Because from the picture, it didn't look like her just because it was like a grainy picture. It didn't look, you know, it was on purpose, right? It was like an old black well, and white. Well, yeah, and like that's that's what it had to have been because that's that's the realism of. So yeah, it would have been dumb if it was just like Ella's face and it was like exactly what she was wearing and it just looked just like her. <laughs> it was like in full color too. Yeah, that would have been stupid. But um, you were going to say something. I was going to say like this re reminded me a lot of you know the um, Italian neorealist films of the nineteen forties, like Bicycle Thieves. And um, oh, there was another one that I really liked, but I it, it, I never knew the English name. I just know it in Italian. What is interesting about Italian neorealism is they use a lot of non-actors and non-filmmakers to make those films. But, you know... Like locals? Yeah, essentially. But whenever you... Like, I, I think that these um, these two women have their own um, IMDb pages. They're both really good. They're both excellent. Like I can't praise the actresses enough. They are wonderful. Um, Dan, we got to talk about pasta now. I feel like we put it off long enough. There's a scene in this. Well, do you want to explain it? Well, okay. Really quickly. It's easy to explain the plot. Um, if you, uh, have not figured it out yet, basically the reason why they're on the lamb is Ella is 17 and her father abuses her. And, Grace was separated from Ella at a young age because their parents divorced and mom took Grace and dad kept Ella. And Ella is, she got the shitty end of the deal. So what Grace does is she tries to, um, for the last month that Ella is 17 years old, it's just become too insane. So Grace kind of doesn't kidnap her, but like takes her away and elopes with her so she, she is just going to wait it out until she turns 18 and then she's no longer in her dad's clutches but some of the things they do is well grace is like okay we gotta feed ourselves with little to no money so we're gonna use pasta and that's why pasta happens but ella 
likes to shoplift and go get her own food and like squat at a person's house and raid their fridge. And it's, yeah, yeah. it's a wonderful dynamic that they have, but um, they bond over pasta. And that's why pasta is a narrative device because it's where they get the most bonding out of because they're like, remember whenever mom used to make this for us and they put pesto in it. That's how I like my pasta the best. And then Ella's like, well, I like to put ketchup in mine. And then, Grace is like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> you're gross. Yeah. But then they come together at the end. Ella stole pesto for Grace to put in her pasta because they were eating it plain the mm-hmm. whole movie. And then she offers the ketchup to Grace and then Grace takes the ketchup and yeah. she eats pasta with pesto and ketchup. And it's like, oh, that was that was sweet. That is the final scene of the film. Yes. So you can't tell me that this is not pasta positive. All right. <laughs> You're right. The you're movie right. begins you're right. and ends with pasta. It should be called Pasta, not Gates. Let me be a producer for your next film. I'll fix it. Okay, Jared, let me let me learn you something here. What do Gates do, bro? Um, taste delicious? I don't know. Open? They open and close, and they provide a boundary that you either want to seclude yourself inside of or seclude yourself away from things. So Gates is a fitting name for this film. Oh no, I'm just, I'm being silly. I know, but you're also an idiot, so I have to double check. (laughs) No, no, no. I actually like you explaining the title of the film because that was another thing I was going to ask you, like, what do you think the meaning is? And that was perfect. Well, I mean, that's just my interpretation of it. I can't say that I'm 100% right. That's just how I I did it. Um, One of the things, oh my God, one of the best composed shots I've seen all year. It's actually on IMDb, which I am so thrilled about. But there's this amazing bird's eye view shot of them laying down in a garden with a pond. And it, the it comes in on a Dutch angle, so it's not lined up properly and it's on a diagonal. It's such a good composed... It, it's so well composed. It is insane. And the way it looks, there's like a bunch of lily pads in the pond and it's surrounded by concrete. It is gorgeous. So, again, cinematography out of this world for me. And, it, again, it just that one shot, just I, I'm looking at it right now. It, I, I, can't, I want it to be my desktop background. It's, it's wonderful. A, a shot I really, really liked, one of my favorites, is when uh, the two girls are sitting in those lawn chairs and they're camping. And this is probably one of my favorite scenes, too. Grace is telling Ella her dream of opening up her own business. So oh, yes. She has control. So she's like, I'm going to have control over the business. I decide when people come to work and when they stop working. And that is such a, it hits so hard the point that they want to get away from their dad, who is so controlling over them and abusive. And the camera cuts to Ella listening to her talk. And it's a close up. And the camera is just slowly zooming in on her and Ella is just kind of sitting there and she's kind of smirking and smiling at the the fun parts and she's sitting there and it's like, you really see on her face how much she's processing all of this. And it's one of the first times they really start to connect because they've been estranged for like three plus years. And I watched that scene again. I was like, I want to watch it again. (laughs) I went back and watched it because I'm like, ah, this scene is really good. And you know what it is? I think I'm a sucker for slowly panning cameras mm-hmm. as someone else talks and watching their reaction. Yeah, no, I am too. I like that a lot. And uh, yeah, it was just a wonderful scene. Dan, is there anything you could be critical on? Cause I feel like we've been kissing this movie 
and uh, and giving it flowers, but we we gotta we gotta we gotta tear it down. I will give some critiques, and then I will talk about my favorite. We have to destroy scene. the things we love. Sure, yeah, let's do it. Like we said before, there could have been more clues as to what was actually going on in the film because it took me a while to figure it out. I like the vagueness of the clues. And to be fair, Josh did send us like the synopsis. I didn't look at it. I didn't look at it until afterwards. Because I like going into films not knowing what's going on. But I'm talking visual cues. Like there could have been more visual cues instead of just kind of lingering and paying attention to these characters. The biggest critique I had or I had for it is I wanted a lot more dialogue because that's kind of what draws me into mumblecore films. Yes, you do have a lot of uh, meandering around and, you know, loitering and things like that. But mumblecore for me, and I, I mean, the only reason I bring up mumblecore is in his message to us, he brought up the Duplass brothers. Yes, it was an influence, heavily influenced. So that's in my mind. That's fresh in my mind. And dialogue is what sends those movies soaring for me. And this film was soaring, but it could have had so much more character development just through talking, especially because they're doing it organically and they're improvising. And I guess, you know, that was part of the film's charm. But at the same time, I could have got to know the characters a little bit better. Now, what that would have improved upon is my favorite scene in the film, which was whenever they blew up at each other. Mm, oh my god all that raw emotion just comes out like all the tension that they feel because you find out that ella is kind of butthurt well butthurt's not a good word (laughs) there's a deep-seated resentment towards grace because mom favored her and then grace said that she's like you're just mad because mom loved me more i'm like holy shit and it was an intense blow up and it was so believable i got really upset by it but I probably would have cried if there were more dialogue. Yeah, that scene was so intense. And what started the whole thing was some stupid fight because Grace thought that Ella had stolen her flask, her hip flask that she's been drinking from. Oh my God. Yeah, you're right. I forgot all she about that. She didn't even steal it. She didn't even steal it. The but the very like, next scene, she has it. Okay, so I'm saying that I want dialogue for character development, but that was character development. She gets that upset that she's crying because she can't find her booze. What the fuck? Oh my God. Beautiful, beautiful narrative device. There's so many things like that where where story is being conveyed without dialogue, though I do agree with you. I wish there was more. I would also say there are a few scenes where I think more dialogue could have occurred. One scene in particular where they had uh, the two characters, they go up to this blue abandoned house and they're sitting there and they're eating peaches. And while the peaches does kind of come into play a little, little later on with them sharing and caring about each other, it would have been nice to have a more like, hey, let's like talk about some shit about like what the fuck's going on. Or, or not even, just like just more things about learning about them. Whenever we learn more about them, uh, I was into it. Or like when they would make fun of each other. I like that too. Because we're gushing over this film and we want to give critiques to it, the only thing I can say is even though I wanted more dialogue and that's my harshest critique, what is dialogue going to do but drive up the runtime, which we didn't necessarily need? You know what I mean? Because the film mm-hmm. told its story within 40 minutes, which is a huge feat. Like that's yes. hard to do. And it's it's a nice it has very nice bookends to it and it's a it it it's a whole narrative arc. So a fantastic ending 
for one reason, because it doesn't even give you all of the answers that you think the film was going to give you. Like, oh, it's going to, everything's going to be wrapped up in a bow. This movie's not interested in that. It's more about these two sisters connecting and dealing with these problems. Like, there's problems. There's things. There's a dad who's abusive. There's them living out on the lamb. That is almost secondary to their relationship. Mm -hmm. Once that comes full circle and there's like an arc there, even if it's just the smallest of, because they could go right back into a fight. They could, you know, start doing sisterly things where they hate each other. But it's, I think the message for me is like, they always come back because they're family. Because on some level they do love each other. And I just, it was awesome. What a great ending. What a great way to promote pasta because people aren't eating enough of it. And I think that I'm going to run, when I run for president of the world, I'm going to put pasta in everyone's cabinet. But in all seriousness, we're, I'm being very nitpicky on everything I'm saying. I'm intentionally trying to find things wrong with this film because it's hard to do that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I really couldn't find much wrong with it. So kudos to everyone who made this film. It's fantastic. Uh, Dan, did you, did you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Just thanks again for submitting it. Like it's films like this. It's just films in general, like just people submitting films to us is really awesome because no matter what, I'm going to watch it and I'm not going to fast forward through anything. I'm going to rough it out and I'm going to enjoy what I can about it. Even if it's like, you know, lower quality or if it doesn't have like the best camera. So mm -hmm. just the spirit of Andy is within this film and it's really, you know, peppering in that mumblecore aesthetic. It's not super mumblecore. I'm not going to say that it's like trying to be a mumblecore film, but I do want to say that the aesthetic of Andy and the aesthetic of micro budget and the aesthetic of, you know, minimalistic narrative is all there. And it's just in this crucible mm -hmm. of tension between this, these family members and what they've had to do with in their life or deal with in their life. And yeah. it, it just, it's, it all culminates in this perfect storm of just beautiful, beautiful composition. Again, like I can't, <laughs> yeah, <it> seriously. <laughs> like, yeah, this movie really had an effect on me. It was really well done. I think it's doing its own thing too. I think it's, it's taking from a, like, like you said, the mumblecore, we say that we keep saying that, but yeah, no, it, it's, it's like, it's taking it's it, turned it into its own yes. thing, which I think is phenomenal. It said, I'm seeing you mumblecore. I'll take this, but then I'm going to do this with what mm -hmm. you do. And that, that's really, that's how covers should be. Like if I'm going to cover a David Bowie song, I'm going to take it, but I'm going to do my own thing to it. You know what I mean? Because I don't want to just be another radio. David Bowie, Mumblecore, Pasta, all of these things are connected. Dan, one final thing I want to say. This is why I do this show. Yes. When I came up with the idea of this, I'm. I, this is the type of films that I want to see. and I'm Because I would never see these films if we didn't do this show. Because it's so hard to find these. Like You have to actively look and hunt for films like these. So I love it that they just come to us. <laughs> we just watch it. It's... it's a joy. It's a true joy. Okay, so thank you all for listening. Even the crazy ones that we get, like, I've, what is the what is the name of the one where like it started in a volcano and they like Riddle of the Spider's Web or whatever? That movie was great. Oh, I love that movie because it's so fucking crazy. It was so dumb, and I loved it. <laughs> Just like yeah. every film that we've oh. ever got is wonderful. 
Yeah, just out of control. Um, so yeah, let's do plugs, Dan. Yes, you can find us on Twitter at IndieFilmPod. You can find us on Instagram at IndieFilmReviewPod. You can email us at TheIndieFilmReview at gmail.com. You can contribute to our Patreon. We have a $1 tier, $3 tier, and $5 tier for filmmakers. Um, we give you a shout out. Uh, Josh did not take advantage of the benefits of the $5 tier, which would be we would ask or he could ask us questions, but he doesn't know us that well. So that's fine. Yeah, he can absolutely ask us a question and we'll answer it on the air for sure. He, he'll he'll have that privilege. The $5 tier is primarily for filmmakers. And it is a privilege, by the way. And it does want to be we do want it to be a $1 or not $1, a one time donation for your film. You don't have to continue to contribute to us. Uh, if you don't want to, but it just bumps you up to that special list. And Josh has it firsthand. It works. It works. The science works. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. Necropoticon is the place we are hosted. There are so many good podcasts on Necropoticon. Please go check it out. Necropoticon.com. They're just so much fun. I'm I'm on a another podcast called Sons of the Fathers. With uh, some really cool people. It is a Call of Cthulhu, like, horror, actual play podcast. Um, I get to do a lot of silly characters, and it's it's fantastic. It's wonderful. Please check it out. I'm very proud of what I've done there. Um, so thank you all for listening. Dan, you have the final word. If Audio Socket ends up sponsoring us, we can finally afford to put a David Bowie song in our podcast. Yes, I want to spend all of our audio socket money on David Bowie. <laughs> this is ground control to Pastatron. All right. <laughs> <laughs>